Welcome to WeRDB. I am Brenton, joined as always by Danielle. That's me. Thanks for joining us again this week as we count up the IMDb's best movies of all time and discuss some of the greatest films you mightn't ever have seen. This week, rated as number 18 on the Internet Movie Database by millions of film lovers from around the world is Goodfellas. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. I know I'd go Released in 1990, starring Ray Liotta as the lead with Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci, Goodfellas is an American mafia film set in New York City, opening in 1955. Based on the 1986 non-fiction crime novel called Wise Guy, written by journalist Nicholas Pelleggi, Goodfellas is written for the screen by Pelleggi and co-written and directed by Martin Scorsese. Pelleggi also went on to write the screenplay for Casino, which I believe also had Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci and was directed by Martin Scorsese as well. So he was a journalist that wrote down and researched the uh, actual story, I'm guessing, is mm-hmm. what happened, because he, he wrote the story. Hmm. So what do, you, what do you think of this film? It was very Godfather-esque. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was good. I don't, again, I didn't really know what I was expecting. It was kind of, it was more hollywood than Godfather was, and I kind of like okay, that. Okay, in what way? It wasn't so freaking dramatic the whole time. It felt like I was watching a movie, not like an epic. You know what I mean? The Godfather's mm. an epic, um, and it's very heavy the whole time, whereas this, there were funny bits, there were light bits, there were darker bits, there were heavier bits. It was, it, it just felt more like a regular movie. I see what you're saying. Godfather opens up in, is it New York? It's set in New York, right, mm-hmm. mostly, mm-hmm. in 1947, and then it finishes in the late 70s, the last one does, so it spans like 25, 30 years. I thought it finished later than that. I mean, the last film came out in 91, but it was set in the 70s. Okay. So both of them are American mafia films set in New York, spanning over very similar decades. But one of them does it over three very long movies, and the other one crams it into one two-and-a-half-hour movie. So I feel like that's why it can't have those big, dramatic, long scenes where you're just looking at people and going in-depth with particular scenes and the way they're interacting. And I'd argue that those long scenes weren't actually that necessary. In The Godfather? Yeah, you could have fit all of that into... Because they were long movies. I just think they it could have been done differently. It was still good. I don't think that they would have had the legacy that they have if they hadn't done that. Yeah. Do you prefer The Godfather movies or Goodfellas? Goodfellas, because The Godfather is really hard to follow. And part of that... Is because it's looking at mob family culture, which this is, but it's again looking at it from a different perspective because the Godfather looks at it from the eyes of Michael Corleone as the son of a Don, whereas Goodfellas looks at it, the mob life, from the eyes of Henry Hill, who wasn't part of a mob family, but he, like, he was rising up through the ranks. Yeah, so again, it kind of looks at things differently because as much as you would know 
coming into the life, it's still, it's still very different being born into the life. And I think that's why Goodfellas was able to be a little bit funnier, a little bit quirkier, shorter, less heavy. When we finished the Godfather movies, I wasn't really sure how I felt about them. After each one, I'm like, they're good, it's fine, you know. Um, but now that I've had so much time to think about it, I think I actually really like that series. Mostly because this it was a series that embodied what is a tragedy epic. And that's exactly yeah. what that was. And I, sometimes you're in the mood for that, you know? I kind of like that. I am looking forward to watching them again because they require a second watch, but I'm not planning on doing it anytime soon. Yeah. Does that make sense? So I think I liked the Godfather movies better, and I am grouping them all as three movies as the Godfather series. I'm not going to break them down here. I think I like it better than Goodfellas. Goodfellas is trying too hard to be Godfather. I think it's hitting too many bases and it thinks that it's this it's a big thing. It's interesting that you enjoy Goodfellas more because it's shorter and I like Godfather better because it's longer. It's it also spells it out a little bit easier for you. Like I said, the Godfather is very hard to follow. It's a lot of characters who have various positions and you have to kind of pick up on the nuances of, you know, the hierarchy of the family. And they're all Italian names, so they all sound the same. Really, no offense intended, but, like, I'm not Italian, so you mix up this one and that one. You know what I mean? I think they both Godfather movies and Goodfellas have that problem, where you're like, I'm not really sure who, who is who. And I think Goodfellas has a bigger problem with it because it spans so much. It's just constantly jumping through time. And you're like, who is this guy? But they rectify it by narrating it. Yeah, I'd prefer if they didn't narrate it though. Like that's it makes it hard to follow. Like everyone, like he says, like everyone's a Peter and a Paul. You know, who is this guy compared to that guy? Like when people die, you're like, I don't know who that is, and I have no emotional connection with that character. I'll agree to disagree with you because I found this one much easier to follow. But even that saying, you were watching the movie and you're like, who is who is that? What what was that guy's name? I don't know. You were doing the exact same thing with this movie as you were with the Goodfellas movies. I don't think I was. Okay. I think Goodfellas would have done really well as like a miniseries. And if the novel had come out recently, it probably would have been like a TV series on HBO or something. Like The Sopranos. I would have liked it better as a miniseries than as a full series. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it has, like, a, a limited release of episodes. Like, the Underbelly series that we watch had, had 13 episodes and that was it. Mm -hmm. um, especially when it, it spans so long, it would have been nice to follow along with it better, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and I think you get to do that with time, like, adding more time in to the run. Fair enough. I have, like, no notes for this movie. You really don't, do you? It was one of those where it was, like, there wasn't a lot that jumped out at me. Yeah, I agree. Like, it was just like, yeah, well, and I think, again, like, I hate to keep comparing it to The Godfather, but I'm like, I've seen this before. Yeah, that's interesting that you say that, because I was relating it back to Donnie Brasco with uh, Al Pacino, because that, that's also uh, the story of mob families in New York, and this one guy is rising up through the ranks, Johnny Depp's character. And it reminded me of that as well, you know, a lot of these mafia movies sort of string together. And in that, they define what does it mean to be a made man. And some of the people around them are, are ranking up. And it, it hits a lot of the same notes as this series and that series. Um, 
So yeah, I can see what you say where you've never seen this movie before, but you're like, I've seen this before. Well, because there's a code, you know what I mean? And like once you kind of have a taste of what that looks like, it's not like it's going to change drastically, you know? I did want to talk about a theme I've seen in every mafia movie that I've seen, which is that you have this family, they're doing really well, they get to about a point, which is in the 70s when they start selling drugs and then everybody kills everybody and then it's over. And I'm just thinking, like, how is there still a mafia if that's what keeps happening? Like, is that what actually keeps happening? I'm not sure. I I think it's interesting that... Was it Vito in the first Godfather that said that he didn't want to get involved with drugs? Yes. That, that's what it was, yeah. Um, and it's interesting because Paulie in Goodfellas also says, I don't, I don't want you to touch that shit, you know? Like, they both mm-hmm. have a very st- strong standpoint on that, and they were very good at what they did for a long time until drugs got involved. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting point because there's a lot of money in drugs, and they're like, nah, it's stupid, it's bad business sense. I just wonder... In New York now, are there still crime families? Even look at, again, with Underbelly, with with the Italian mob in Melbourne. They got all caught up because they were selling drugs. And I mean, they were already selling drugs, but I mean, shit hit the fan. That's how they got busted, yeah. Right? And that was, what years was that? From 96 to 2004, I believe it was. Should we do a little description of what Underbelly is for all the non-Australians? I would recommend going to listen to the Godfather episode, the first one. Um, okay. We talk a lot about mob wives and things in that episode as well, which makes an interesting comparison to this movie because I think the females sort of have their own, an interesting part in this whole thing. I think they really showed it well in this yeah. one. In terms of like Karen and her talking about You know, when she first goes to one of the shower parties, she's like, they all look old and tired and they wear cheap makeup and cheap pantsuits and like, and you can just see they're like clucky hens. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I don't know why why I love it so much. They're so trashy though. I don't know why. I, I mean, no shade, seriously, but like, it seriously reminds me of what it's like to go over to my aunties on a Friday night because we're French. There's definitely such a vast distinction between an old Italian family and an old Jewish family. Like, they have very much set in their own ways as to what they want and what they do and how they go about things. Um, As someone who doesn't know any Jews or Italians, it's you always see that in these movies. If you want to know old New Yorkers, likely they're going to be Irish, Italian, or Jewish. Yeah. You know? And they all talk like this. I just, I wanted to know, do you have any insight into that question about, are there any mob families left? I imagine there would be, um, but they couldn't nearly get away with the stuff that they get away in these movies, because it was just a different time. Um, Particularly Tommy in this, he's just, he gets away with so much stuff, and I'm not sure uh, how dramatized his character is, but he's got some balls because he just doesn't care about consequences well and that's well maybe it's not i was gonna say that's ultimately what leads to his demise yeah yeah he's hot-headed yeah i mean because everyone else understands the consequences and they go about it in a particular way do you think they would have killed him eventually anyways no they would have probably made him a made man like you reckon because you look at again with underbelly they killed Alphonse because he was just making too many stupid decisions. Alphonse was and, like the Tommy character. 
Yeah, I think I even said that. And that's what I'm thinking here. Like, he just, he got killed because he broke a rule. He killed a made man. And that's just the way it goes. But I just think, I think eventually somebody would have got rid of him because he was just too erratic. Maybe, but he had been around for a long time, though. I think he was actually, remember at the beginning of the movie with Henry, he was selling cigarettes out of that car and there was that other kid with him? I think that was Tommy. I don't remember. I don't know. I think they went way back. I'm not sure. I'd have to look at it again. Mm. This is the second time I've seen this through, and I, the first time I watched it, I'm like, eh, you know, like, it thinks that it's better than what it is, and I've heard people just rave about it and how it's one of the best things, and I still stand by, it's okay. I'm not going to rush to watch it again. Yeah, I didn't mind it. I'm glad I saw it, but same. I do like Martin Scorsese's work, though. He he does do a particular thing with his content. He, I like that he doesn't shy away from like sex, drugs, and violence, but he doesn't linger on it unnecessarily. Agreed. Where some other people might. The opening scene, I was just like, oh, fuck. You know what I mean? Because the opening scene is them disposing of a body oh yeah oh he's not dead stab 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 with a kitchen knife and i'm just like that's i really wanted to see that you know like 30 seconds into this movie but whatever you know you know what you're getting into yeah it's like okay well we're doing this i guess i actually surprisingly drew a lot of parallels to the wolf of wall street while watching this which is also a martin scorsese movie separated Mm. by like at least 20 years um and spoilers going ahead uh, that movie also is the story of someone who's sort of making a name for himself from nothing and he gets involved in drugs and he, he has his fingers in this and that and he gets wound up with the with the cops and then it shows the fall and it's a true story again. And he's narrating quite a lot of it throughout the whole movie and the way that those scenes, they're, they're reflected really quite well. Um mm. And I th- maybe Martin Scorsese was trying to touch on something that he did with Goodfellas 20 years before. And I think he did it quite well. I really quite liked the way The Wolf of Wall Street ended up. Um, but there's particular scenes where uh, Leo is walking around, talking directly to the camera and breaking the fourth wall and explaining what's happening and narrating why it went like this and what we actually did. And it very much feels like a Scorsese sort of feel. That happened once in this movie, and I felt it was really out of place. Like, I'm like, if you had done that at least one or two other times, it would have felt better. Yes, I agree. But I just meant that it, the whole movie is narrated, and so is Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. I think there is only one time that that happens in Wolf of Wall Street as well. No, it happened quite a bit. We always start conversations in the middle of the movie, and then we'll say, you know, stop it. We'll talk about it in the podcast. Um, and what I was noticing and we were talking about is that we could really see the appeal for Henry. You know, he was so proud to be in it. In- Especially the first 20 minutes, half an hour of the movie where it's establishing what he was doing and why he was doing it when he was he was a teenager. Yeah, because he started when he was like 15. 16, yeah, 15, 16. I can definitely see the appeal of getting into this family. Like you might just sit, stand back and think, why would you get involved with these people? You know, why would you do that? But when you're from that background and you see the luxury, the respect, the, the things that these people can get away with and how people treat them and the clothes and the women and the cars, and I can definitely see the appeal to get into it at that age. He said when he was like 16, 17 years old, he was making more than his dad. Yeah, and most people on the street. Yeah. 
he wasn't even making money. He was just, like, getting little bits for doing little jobs, right? Like, parking Cadillacs and stuff. He was feeling like he was actually somebody, you know? He could amount to something, and in his normal life, he probably couldn't, as well as all the rest of it. There were three things that would really draw you to it, which were the money, first of all, being a poor kid. That would be the first thing. The respect, again, which, you know, as just a nobody, you don't really get. But also the community, you know? Yeah, that sense of family. You've al- yeah. always got someone covering your back. Can I just say how good the damn food looks in this? Like, I, I oh, remember the first time I watched this, I was like, I gotta get, eat some Italian food. And then they take so much care. Like, I love him cutting the garlic up with the razor blades because it liquefies in the pan. Like, they have a very so much care into the food. Or, like, the last amazing. scene before he gets busted, he's like, he was cooking the sauce all day. Yeah, he spent all day cooking sauce. <laughs> For the baked ziti. Oh, man. I think at least the first whole hour of the movie is just set up. Like, it's just establishing who this person is and who the family is and how the interactions are. And I, I think well, it's, yeah. it feels rushed. Well, something that I noticed, too, is I'm like, I thought Robert De Niro had a big role in this. And, like, the, in the first half of the movie, he's basically non-existent, you know? I think I really like De Niro's performance in this, particularly mm-hmm. the second half. Obviously, you said he's he's not really present in the first, but I quite like him in this. And I've seen him in quite a lot of films. Um, and he wasn't nominated. Joe Pesci was nominated and he won, the guy who played Tommy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he won the Oscar for this. And De Niro wasn't nominated, but I think I really quite like De Niro's better. It's more nuanced. Like, Tommy, Tommy's yeah. just full of energy in every scene. Like, a lot of what he had to say was improvised. Like, Scorsese gave him the note saying that this character is erratic and he just, he runs his mouth. So he just ran with it, which is why yeah. I can definitely see why, especially if a lot of those scenes were ad-libbed. He makes you feel so intimidating. I love that, like, first scene uh, introducing his character where he's like, you think I'm funny, huh? How funny, how? Am I, am I here to amuse you? And it's just, you can see Ray Liotta's mm. character just like shitting himself, you know? Mm. Um, and he does have a particular way about that. And I can imagine a man like that in that position with his physical stature, like he's really quite short, would want to run his mouth and be hot-headed because I've met people like that before. Well, it's like the little man syndrome. What? That's a thing? Yeah, well, that's what they call it. It's when you've got these these little guys who got to be bigger than their britches because they've got something to prove. Okay. Right? Anyway, I really quite like De Niro in this. Why do I feel like I know his character so well, even though I haven't seen him in many things? And when I say character, just the way he he gets kind of typecast. Yeah, he really does. Well, he said this in the in Godfather Two. How many times has he played the mafia guy? Because he was even in American Hustle doing the same was thing. He? I think. He was in Casino and Heat. I think they're gangster movies as well. It's been a long time since I've seen those. But he's always in the gangster movies. He's doing another one this year with Martin Scorsese and Al Pacino called The Irishman. I'm really interested to see it because they haven't been in a movie together since the 90s. Wouldn't you get tired of it? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe he just he found his niche and he really enjoys it. I'm not sure. You don't have to put this in, but what's that movie where it's like, are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Who says that? Taxi Driver. That's okay, De Niro, yeah. That's De Niro, okay. Yeah, because I'm like, he's just, that's him, you know? He definitely does get a bit typecast. So does Al Pacino. I would be interested to watch Donnie Brasco again since watching the Godfather movies and see if I have a different take on his character just because 
it's weird seeing Michael Corleone in this position because his character yeah. in Donnie Brasco, Lefty, is an old, an older guy, obviously, because Al Pacino's older, um, and he hasn't really excelled at much, so he's he's sort of the shit kicker still. Oh, so, see, that'd be so different. That's why I'm like, I, we should really watch Donnie Brasco, just to get that different contrast. That would be really weird for me to see because, yeah, you associate Al Pacino with being young Michael who takes on this huge position of responsibility really young. And you he's he's mean? the Don for most of those movies, you know. He's such a well-respected man. And I think yeah. he is in Donnie Brasco, but I don't think he's a made man. Hmm. He He's the one who takes on... He'd be kind of like Maury. Who? Maurice, the one who gets stuck with the screwdriver in the back of the head because he... Keeps busting everyone's balls. Uh, yeah, sort of. He was just a he was, he was a salesman or something. I don't even know what his role was. He was part of it, though. Well, Lefty is assigned to look after Johnny Depp's character, who is the new guy. So he's just like, yeah, let, let Lefty deal with it sort of thing. So even though he is an older guy and he's been in it for a long time, he hasn't really gone up through the ranks like you would expect. Mm. Um, so it might be an interesting perspective watching that again. Mm. I wonder if it's in the list. It might be. Uh, we'll make it an honorable mention if it's not. We could do. I don't think I've got anything else really to say. Like, it was, I enjoyed it. It was fine. What it does show more than any other Mafia movie is how much you're constantly living in fear. Like, he was saying how if you're going to get whacked, it'll come as a friend. It'll, it'll come with a smile. You never know when you're going to get whacked, you know. And towards the end there, he was, he was shit scared and so was Karen. They were so paranoid. Obviously, it's because of the drugs as well. But Mm -hmm. I just think being in this life, how are you not always constantly in fear of getting whacked, either from your family or rivals? I guess the thing, too, is that, like, he knew he was doing things wrong. Yeah, that'd probably increase the paranoia as well. You know what I mean? Like, if you do what they tell you to do and you, you know, you don't break the two cardinal rules, which is... You keep your mouth shut and you don't rat on your friends. That was the two yeah. rules, right? And he kind of did both. Yeah. So if you don't break those rules, you do what the higher-ups are telling you to do, and like you don't run your mouth and stuff, Like I reckon you'd actually be pretty okay. You know? Yeah, you're probably right. Um, towards the end there, after his fall, when he goes into witness protection, he he says how difficult it is to go back to normal life, and I think that's an interesting point, because you've lived so frivolously, and you do see that, again, as a parallel to Wolf of Wall Street, he has to go back to living normal life as well, and having a normal 9-to-5 job. That must be so difficult, because... You're not used to it. Jordan Belfort, the real yeah. guy... He did a lot of this stuff in the 90s, this living extravagantly yeah. in the 90s. And for the last, like, 10 years or so since he's been out of prison, he didn't go for prison, prison very long. He's just been doing normal, normal job, you know. He's been a consultant and he's been going around doing talks and he's got these seminars. I just think that's a very different life. Like, it must be weird being him, still alive and working today, and he's, he's not that old, um, looking back and being like, was that, was that my life? Holy shit, like, that must feel like a dream. Yeah. Well, and I wonder how much do you regret just being like, I could have fucking still had that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if I hadn't got greedy. Most of what he was raking in was completely legal. He just wanted an extra 1%, and that's what got him busted. So I can absolutely understand where he might feel regret on that. 
So I do think it's an alright movie. I think it was a little rushed because it was skipping between so much time and, and it was a bit difficult to get my bearings anyway. Um, there are some really good shots in this though. There's quite a lot of scenes where it's like got that Scorsese feel to it, you know. There's that scene where he's showing off Karen to this life and they go to the nightclub, the Cabana nightclub. And yeah. the shot goes from them getting out of the car and it goes down through the back entry. They go through down the side alleys and things and he's saying hello to people and shaking their hands and they go through the kitchens and then they come out into the front and they pull out a table for them. And then the show starts and the camera pans over to the show. It's all one take. Mm-hmm. It's all one shot, you know what I mean? And I think that's impressive. And Scorsese has a lot of those little touches in there. Uh, I think it is a good... It's a good film in that sense. It's good filmmaking. I don't think it captured me as well as it has a lot of other people, though. It's okay. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Like I said, it was, for me, it was an easier watch than The Godfather. It was a little bit more gruesome, that's for sure. Um, Yeah. But it was fine. Was it a great movie? I don't know, but was it a good movie? Yeah. I think it deserves 18. I don't think it deserves any higher. 18. It's number 18 on the list. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it could have been lower. I don't know. Lower down on the list. A higher number. All right. We have been Daniel and Brenton this week. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on all the socials and comment on SoundCloud. And until next week, thanks for listening.